A quick announcement before the podcast begins. Don't forget that my three books are now available on Amazon and most online bookstores. 216 and the Secrets of the Universe 2nd Edition is available on Audible, Paperback, or Kindle. It is also translated into Spanish. 216 and the Secrets of the Universe 2nd Edition is a message that myself, the author, Omar Angulo, was guided to deliver by higher beings to humanity through this book. It all began on 216 when my older brother took his life and sent me down an unfathomable rabbit hole over the course of four years. This book can be enjoyed by those that are spiritually curious to those that may consider themselves to be full-blown awakened. My second book, titled My Contact with UFOs, Otherworldly Beings, God, Angels, Demons, and More, is available on Amazon and most online bookstores on paperback. This book is a collection of personal stories and experiences I had with the divine, paranormal, spiritual, and what some may consider to be taboo. My third book, titled My Book of Psalms, The Book of Old Number 3, is available on paperback and is also on Amazon and most online bookstores. This book is a collection of song lyrics written by myself with deep meaning over the course of my life and also a collection of photographs taken by myself or colleagues during not only my musical journey, but journey of life as well. And now, the podcast. Hey, what's good, everybody? Welcome to episode 33 of In A Good Way Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, a good friend, Don Thomas, also known as Donald Thump, also known as Don Kingski, and sometimes people have mistaken him for Forrest Whitaker, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but that's just because we met doing the acting, right, but, um, but no, actually, Donald, you know, Don, he's, he's a legend, you know what I mean, he's been around, he's been around the game for a long time. Most of you are probably saying his name without even knowing, right? You know, uh, I think everyone remembers the famous line from Boys in the Hood. Donald B's in the place to give me the pace. <laughs> 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 so, you know, I mean, I don't even know where to start. So first, I guess, before we get into that whole thing about how you ended up on that Easy e song, let's talk about how you started with music. I mean, how, I mean, you've been doing music, I mean, I hate to say forever, but pretty yeah. much forever. So how did you get started? Man, that's funny. I remember just uh, being in band. I was in band with the Flea of, of the Chili Peppers. Oh, wow. Yeah, Michael Bowsery. So I started young in like eighth grade. I was in band and stuff. So I started playing the drums and the saxophone. And then the other dude gave me the trombone. And so I ended up being with the trombone and stuff. So And Bowsery played, Flea played the trumpet. Wow. So I was doing that, and then I literally started to learn music. And I said, man, i got to do music. You know, this is the coolest stuff. And plus, growing up with, you know, black family, we had all music and records and stuff. So I was obviously listening to that. And then I remember I went down to the store. It's called White Front. And then some white, white lady, that her name, to find out her name was Pamela Desbars. Mm. She was playing rock music that I'd never heard. So that was like the first time it was a radio station called K-West. And I remember I listened to her, and she hit me to some rock records. And I was like, man... So I learned about Queen and all this rock shit oh, wow. by being around her. And I'm like, man, I was going to Whitefront. And Whitefront was like the first thrifty drugstore. It was the first store oh. you could go buy a tire, a thimble. You could buy, uh, you know, uh, clothes, oh, anything wow. you want. It was like the first Kmart before it was a Kmart. It was yeah, called yeah. Whitefront. And it was in like, um, like, not South Central LA, but it was almost in the jungle. Yeah, yeah. So, but literally I grew up over there. And so music 
became and so getting back to the band thing i got in band at john burroughs high school oh, and wow. then uh, the, the 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 dudes the teacher's name was arthur copper and his friends were all like earth wind and fire wow because he used to treat he used to help one of the trumpet dudes do something so that's when i started learning music and from there after like seventh grade i, I was in all the band all the time up to high school so I got into it like that. And then once I started hearing music, I was like, man, I got to do this music. And, you know, hearing Funkadelic and Parliament and all the old stuff in Motown, I was like, man, how do you do that? How do you make that? So eventually I started going to, to learning how to play stuff. And so I ended up being with the trumpet, the trombone, and I played a flute a little bit, but I was better with the trombone because it was easier to play, you know, the slide and then I got a, a, a French horn and shit. So... I was a baritone. I always played all the horns because I had nothing else to do. And the saxes, the sax, all, all the women liked the saxophone. <laughs> I didn't know, but I should have stayed stayed with that, but yeah, I didn't. Yeah. So I got on the baritone, and I started doing that. And then I got in the drum corps too when I was drum corps. So I learned how to drum. Wow. Being in a marching band with that, and then we went to high school, and I just blew up with music. That's all of my friends were into music, so I started to learn the guitar, or whatever, whatever we did. We I'd be in my friend's little band and stuff, and. And then rapping came out, and that's when we started. Everybody was trying to be a rapper, so yeah. it was pretty comical. We we didn't know how to rap, but we were trying. You know, we could do like mother nursery rhymes and shit. So, <laughs> was, <laughs> so after that, you're like, man. And then when I heard rappers delight, I lost my damn mind. Wow. That was it, dude. I was like, yo, I want to do that shit. You know. Yeah. So, so were you in high school when that came out? When rappers delight was, no, it I, was I was still like in junior high, I think. Oh wow. Yeah, junior high. Wow. And uh, but yeah, when rappers delight, I, I was just now getting to be a young teen. And I'm like, damn. And then plus the parties, you know, I was collecting records too at the time because you know that's what we had. Black people we collected records. And we went bowling. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah stuff like that. Shit. So uh, yeah, speaking of the bowling, dude, I, it's crazy. But I, I retired from bowling at 12 years old. What? It sounds crazy, man. Because all I did, black people, my mom worked at the post office, and all the kids would always to keep us out of the street. She would. Take us to the bowling alley. Man. So literally, we'd be bowling. So I bowled from six to twelve, wow. and my highest game was two eighty nine when I was twelve years old. So I was so burnt out of. I discovered dirt bikes at like twelve. So that's when I stopped. I retired from bowling. I literally said, "Mom, I'm not bowling anymore." Six years, and me and my brother were champions, and we had trophies. And my brother was like in the men's league. He was only fourteen, but they put him in the men's league, and I was pretty good myself. Mm. So my father, what they would do, he would go bowling, and he would tell his friends to bet against his team and some these friends wouldn't show up so he would get me and my brother to come and fill in for him and they didn't know we bowled like crazy people wow. so we he would bet these people and then they would end up losing because my brother would bowl a 212 and i'd have a 200 and they're looking at like man how are your kids bowling like this and, <laughs> and it was funny and he would win money so after a while they stopped letting us bowl with my father because he would they knew these kids are you know they're gonna bowl better than you you know and so yeah but after a certain part with dirt bikes i just got so retired retired from it i stopped that's so, crazy yeah it is and then after that i just got the music and dirt bikes yeah, yeah so you know and then living in the hood the jungle over there like off of crenshaw and you know so yeah and then my parents grew up over in that general area crenshaw pico and um we were all over man carson compton oh, okay. yeah so just growing with because all the people worked in the post office all had friends all over the city you know east laws everywhere Whittier so we'd yeah. be around somebody's house of friends of theirs from the post office and that led to music because I was starting to see different kinds of music how people did you know how like if you if you were Latin your party you know your party would be a Latin themed party and I was mm. like man this is cool you know I didn't yeah. know salsa and cumbia I didn't know anything about that so I learned as a kid growing up so that's what music 
getting back to the band. Like, <laughs> I, I had no choice. I was like, man, I love this music. I got to do this. And so, so, did you ever do anything with Flea, or you guys? Did you ever stay friends with them, or you guys? Yeah, just... I kind of knew them because of Skate Master Tate. Oh, and see, okay. Tate, and then when Lollapalooza happened, that's when I knew him more because Lollapalooza was Perry Farrell and my friend Taters DJed the first two Lollapaloozas. So I was, oh. yeah, so I was there and when, when they get the Chili Peppers to play and I knew him. And so we had a conversation when I, he remembered me from band. Oh. Uh, so we had a conversation with Flea. I think I sat down and ate lunch with him. We're backstage and stuff right before they went on and stuff. And he's like, man, Arthur Copper. So I mentioned Arthur Copper and he said, yo, I remember you and blah, blah, blah. And so oh, wow. I just kind of tried to keep in touch with him. And then I knew the other dudes in the Chili Peppers, Hello, and his brother Jamie. And I knew, uh, uh, Irons, Jack Irons, who was uh, ended up being Pearl Jam's drummer. Oh wow! So yeah, so I knew all of them, and I was always in the battle of the bands. I'd be in some little band trying to battle them and the Chili Peppers. The one rapper dude was an actor, uh, Anthony Kiedis. Oh yeah, yeah. So he came down. He why he band. used to rap? Yeah, well, he was he wasn't really a rapper. He was just trying to do rap because it was like white boy rap, and at the time how it was kind of corny. Because but he was trying his best to be a rapper, but he couldn't really rap. So that's how he got, that's how he became a singer. Wow. Because after rapping so much, he became a singer because he thought he could sing. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not knocking him. Anthony no, hey, he's done great for himself. <laughs> no, I know, but he sure. did. But yeah, but he but was, was kind of rap. Think, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. he kind of knew that. And all the first thing they were doing, he was just kind of talking the lyrics, you know. And so yeah. that's how the Chili Peppers got on because nobody was really doing no rap rock like that. Wow. You know, Run DMC wasn't really out yet no you know nothing like that so but he was just like they were trying to rap you know and it was kind of comical so they play some like rock and roll but he was trying to rap and just talk over the lyrics so that's how that whole thing came up wow. and so many groups came after that trying to be exactly what he was doing you know because he wasn't really a rapper but it came off like he was rapping you know give it away give it away give it away oh, yeah know? yeah no you're right, you're right. so it's pretty comical now wow. i think about it all the yeah the, the whole time rap was coming up you know 79 and and, and the first rapper that I knew of, other than James Brown and like George Clinton in Parliament, was a Fatback band. It was called Tim's, Tim's, Tim something. It, but it's a record. But it was the first rap that they did like on a record that you oh. know. Yeah, and so after that, you hear people rhyming little like nursery rhymes. So that was the same thing because James Brown was doing the same thing, and George Clinton was doing because he was doing nursery rhymes. Yeah, yeah. So really, the first rap is that. But then really, rap goes back to 1941. By the group called the the Jubilaires, and that's the first. If you're not hip to there, the, wow. <laughs> the Jubilaires, 1941. It was like gospel rap. So oh, these dudes wow. were rapping. Yeah, you got to go to Jubilaires, and it's a the song is called Hey Noah. Hey Noah. Yeah, oh, it's dope. Yeah, it you got to check it out. It's really cool. That's the first rap that I ever heard of. It's 1941. Wow. So they were rapping way back then, and he's just doing a rhyme, you know. And if you see the video, it's called Hey Noah, and you can look on YouTube, and you're gonna be blown away. Yeah, because well, it's funny because I think everyone's giving credit to like someone else, maybe in the '70s or stuff like that. So now that you said that, it's gonna like boom, it's gonna change everything. Yeah, I'm gonna it was, go go it out it was gospel there. rap, and it's yeah. the dopest shit I ever heard. And then they sing. That was the first song I ever heard. They were singing, and then the dude comes in with a little rap. Wow. You're like, whoa, this is some gospel stuff in 1941. Yeah, it just blows you away when you hear this, and it's, it's exciting, man. It just it it stimulates you as, you as a musician. You're like, man, I didn't know all this was happening. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. in 1941. So I'm excited just hearing the story. I'm blown away. Um, damn, that's crazy. So even so, how long after? Because the the Red Hot Chili Peppers were around the 70s, right? Late yeah, 70s? no, I was 81. I graduated oh, in like 81. 81 okay. So the 80s, 80 and 79. 
the, when I went to high school, they were in there, and then Slash went there too. Oh. Saul of Guns N' Roses. His name is Saul. I knew him as Saul. Wow. But wow. Slash was there. He was like the first, the last. I was my last year. He was the first year for him, whatever. But we, we hung out in the, the musicians' little corner where all the guitarists and all these other people. My other friend, his name was Willie Canadu, and he's called Nana King. He got famous doing that. He's like the like a fella Kude, the new fella Kude. And he was in a band with Slash. Oh, wow. Yeah, with this girl named Marcel. So I remember them, Willie's band, and we all tried to do music, and I was trying to be around music. And, you know, so after that, I just kind of got into music through skateboarding. So mm. after that, through the skateboarding angle, I got more into music because of the skaters all listen to music. When I was skateboarding, that's all we did. We listened to rock and funk and everything we could to go skate to, you know, to, to make it cool, you know. Yeah. So that's how I started getting really hardcore into music. And then that's when I like punk was coming out in 79, 81. And I didn't know anything like Devo and Billy Idol or uh, it was called Generation X. That was like the first punk thing that I knew of. Oh, wow. And then Devo was kind of punkish when I first heard that. And then I heard some other real punk that was like kind of like low end stuff that nobody really knew about, you know, yeah. just local bands. But it was a trip, a turning point in time in the 80s and music because it all changed to new wave and everybody like, you know, had some pointy shoes and funny looking hair and shit. It was, <laughs> it was really cool. And I was on Fairfax. <laughs> High school in Melrose, so I was on Melrose when that whole thing happened. So, but I, I was still collecting records the whole time. I was buying wow. vinyl records, and now I like rock, punk, funk, reggae, everything. I was like, man, I love me some country rockabilly shit, or everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, I, I, going to Fairfax, it was universal. So everybody's uh, musical taste became my musical taste, and you know, plus I, my mom, they were doing all R and B records. I heard you know, Spinners and Temps and all of that. R&B stuff that was already natural but then I started hearing rock and folk music and Jimi Hendrix obviously yeah yeah wow no and if you don't mind maybe after I, yeah. could, I could give a little I could show a little bit of your record collection because yeah. how many records do you have you I got know? about 6,000 wow, vinyl records that's... and I got like I got four big Ikea 12s wow and that's I got a lot of vinyl man yeah, like, yeah, Taters yeah. turned me onto the vinyl he oh, had about wow. 10,000 records wow. so he was bigger and then a lot of rappers bought records from him so that's how I, I was a beat broker when I started messing with tape because rappers would find records that he he would find and nobody else could find this record and they they hear this loop and go, oh my god so that's how I ended up back with taters sampling stuff when they're like yo uh, give me that record and what's that <laughs> that's a dope loop and then back then we didn't know you know yeah, yeah. but as as time got on you know people wanted to sample and that whole thing but it was pretty it was a, it was a, it was a good time man oh man it sounds amazing like to so let's let's like um. Around when, while you were interacting with all that, when did you meet like Easy and Dre and all of? No, Easy, I remember him. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember Easy Eric because he was selling drugs. I just remember people in Compton and in the hood selling yeah. drugs. But Eric, we just knew it was Eric, and I used to I met him at the Rodium, and the Rodium was where he used to go buy their gold, their fake gold and chains and stuff. So wow. the Rodium was in like Redondo Beach, and all the hipsters used to go over there and buy gold to get in the fresh records too so you find records you wouldn't never find anywhere else at the rhodium so wow. i remember eric being that one dude he was just selling drugs they just, he was a short kid and people thought he was a little kid but he was really older but <laughs> i thought he was like 14 or 15 yeah. but he would just and he had a jerry curl and the hat it was just funny man it was just back in the end but but so you met him there then you didn't meet him in yeah I, I met him later on but then i knew people that knew him like when i met ice t 
uh, Tracy or Ice, yeah, Ice T with the road uh, at the radio uh -huh. back when they were doing break dancing. So when all that started coming up, none of them were really around. They were all in their basically hoods. Everybody was doing their thing, and you just go to hood parties. Uh -huh. So you see them at a party where everybody's bumping flashlight all night or some Parliament Funkadelic, and then you start seeing the gangster. It was like the gangster culture. So I knew that because I was on the streets, you know, uh -huh. and around. So we going to some of these parties, you start to see people, these gangsters, and then plus lowriders. The whole thing with lowriders all was all coming together. Like Latin dudes had lowriders and brothers had lowriders, and you know everybody's car we wanted to low and look fresh. Ah. So that's what, and that's how I got into going to Compton a lot because people were lowriding back then, and uh, you meet a lot of people. And I know Eric was one, the first people I know that had a lowrider. This other dude named Free Ray Red. Oh wow. Yeah, he was from like the jungle, or he was from the Bloods or something or the Brims or whatever, but I remember he was the first dude I ever seen with a lowrider, and he had this strikingly red hair. He was like, <laughs> <laughs> but he rode his, he had like a, a, a Chevrolet Impala or something. It was oh. just so fresh, man. I was like, yo, this is a new thing. And then everybody dressed in baggy clothes. Like, oh, okay. So back then, everybody, all the gangster culture, you had to have baggy clothes and know somebody with a lowrider. And then that's when the bikes started happening too. So people started oh. lowriding their bikes, you know, yeah. putting sparkly stuff on it and, and lowering the seat. So that's what I always knew. Low riding was me a bike or a car. Yeah. So that I mean. So what did EZ have back then? Uh, uh, you know what? Let me see. Wow, it's, it, I think he might have had a Cutlass, dude. To be oh, honest yeah. with you, yeah, Cutlass was real popular back then. Yeah, I just yeah. know. And then I remember uh, the the big thing. I just remember when Ice T got his little Porsche kit or whatever. He had like a, Vol a Volkswagen or whatever it was, and he put a Porsche kit on it. Oh. So he was rolling around. <laughs> yeah, he was rolling around with a Porsche kit on it when he got a little money from that breakup movie or whatever. Oh, so we was like, oh yeah, he, he's famous now. And pretty soon, and then after that, people in the hood started getting famous for rapping a little or whatever they were doing. And so that's oh, what wow. Eric was doing that, but he hadn't put out any music yet. He was just still, you know, gang banging or drug, you know, drug dealing or whatever. So. Which was kind of all right, you know, because that's what you saw on the streets, you know. Yeah. That's what that was what activities we were doing, you know. You know, it's crazy because even when I mean, you know, I grew up in a different era, but it, even yeah. that, it was still normal. It was like yeah, you absolutely. didn't, you know, you didn't look at people like, right? Oh, he's a drug. It was just like, no, I know that's normal because I'm yeah, in the yeah. hood. I mean, you know, I couldn't tell like, that could be my cousin or someone, yeah, my, yeah, my cousin's yeah. friend doing yeah. that. I'm not gonna tell him because I, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I can't mess up the family life and. Yeah. Plus, then they would tell you, no, I don't, don't, that's not your business. You exactly. Know? Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, I learned yeah. when you stay, you know, out of people's business. And that's because my grandmother, because my grandmother was named Gladys, and she was like kind of a gangster. Like, <laughs> my grandmother's roughneck. She gambled and had these parties. She was a roughneck, kind of, she cussed like a sailor. <laughs> and she'd have these weekend card parties, and uh, they'd be start from Friday night and last till Sunday. They'd play cards yeah. all night. And we would be the kids, be hanging out. We'd be somewhere. And then sometimes we end up at the roller skating rink from one of these parties. Like, oh, what are you going to do tonight? We're going to stay. They're going to be playing all night. So come to the roller skating rink. So skate land and all this stuff. So I ended up roller skating. And that's how the whole gangster music culture started coming. Because we'd go to the to, uh, the roller rink to, to skate, you know, and like meet girls and meet all your homies and, <laughs> and see the fresh cars, whoever had fresh car and fresh gear. So it was all it was all some intertwined somehow. And so, uh, who? So, how did you make it on that song? And because I've been wondering, I haven't asked you that. I was waiting to ask you that on here. So, how did you manage to like? So you knew because Ice Cube was the one that supposedly wrote the lyrics for Boys in the Hood. Yeah, right? but I mean, that thing that's and also that was Donald B or whatever Donald Bass. But then that his brothers and he has a brother named Donald. Oh. If he, yeah, he's, his brother's name is Donald too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he has a brother named Donald. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I just for some reason 
they were like Donald B in the place, and I was used to be Donald B. So when I heard that, man, I'm like, damn, these fools know. And I knew Easy way back then too. So I mean, I knew him way, way, way a long time ago. So I mean, it was just a trip. I'm trying to remember. I can't remember the other dude's name. It was some other dude that was around him too. I just can't remember what his name was. But he he had hit me to that, and he's like, man, when you come to Compton, anytime, you know, you, you can hang with us and blah blah blah. We'll be a skate land or whatever. Or meet us at the park or, yeah. So after that, I just always had people all over the place. So did you you had already met him doing music or you just no no had him doing music. I was okay. just knowing in the hood some hood shit. Oh okay. yeah yeah yeah. Plus he was selling you know weed or crack or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, in the '80s or whatever it was, yeah, some yeah. '70s or whatever. So, and that's how I kind of knew him. But then, you know, obviously I was on the other side of town and so I wasn't over living in Compton or nothing like that. But I went to Watson Willowbrooks a lot because a lot of my mom's friends lived over there. So it would always be, where, where's the, where street are we going to today? That kind of thing. Oh, and you okay. meet, like, every little hood had their own little, like, gangsters or whatever, you know? Yeah, so yeah. It, was, it was some hood shit back in the day. So you knew, like, Cube too? and No, nah, you know, I knew Cube was just rapping. And I, I didn't really know him, but I knew there were some dudes like on the Crenshaw district and like other side South Central that were rapping. And I just knew that because of the people that I was around were trying to rap too. Everybody wanted to be a rapper. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was kind of, and everybody you went, they, oh man, my, my boy is nice. He'll, he'll show up and he'll rap you, you know, he'll battle you or whatever. And back then we didn't know battling was battling. Yeah, but we yeah. just go and you want to talk shit, you know, because a lot of people used to go bag on people's mamas. You know, you talk about people's mamas, and that's how the rapping that I knew started because people used to try to rhyme or talking about your mom, you know. And so pretty soon it was like, yo, and that's kind of fresh, dude. And then people, you know, we started hearing people rhyme over beats, and we're like, oh man, this is going to be cool. So it exploded from there. And then I just remember Easy and them was trying to do something when when they, uh, when Dre and them were going to uh, put out this record. They were trying to uh, they were trying to get this shit out and talk about their hood. Yeah, and yeah. So that's how the easy thing. He had a little money, and apparently he just said, "Let me put these dudes on," you know, because every time we'd go to the skating rink, it would be somebody there that was trying to do that. Like you, like is this dude an entertainer or something? What is he trying to do? You know? Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Um, so did you did you get signed? Because I know you ended up, you know, being in the group Skate Master Tate and um, the Concrete Crew, right? Yeah. Skate Master Tate and the Concrete Crew was that. Before Easy passed away, or he had he already passed away? No, he was still alive. That was a uh, that ninety eighty nine and stuff when, when I messed around with Taters because I was getting into skateboarding and uh -huh. stuff. But then back then everybody was trying to be a rapper in a way, so you know they thought rapper whatever records. So yeah, and I remember um, yeah because that was ninety one is like when Cypress Hill. My friends started like the Cypress Hill. That was Taters' little friends and stuff, and I knew Mugs and them by Taters. So I met all of them, and they were trying to put out a record, and then they ended up putting Taters put up the money for how how I, how I could just kill a man. Oh wow! Yeah, so Taters' first record with them was how I could just kill a man. I remember the so whole he positive, funded that then. Yeah, he funded that. So record. he put out Cypress Hill, or he yeah, he was he was yeah, because the Muds was coming to his house for the records and stuff, ah, and so they oh, all kind of okay. then also Sun Doobie Funk Dubious. Yeah, yeah. That's why I messed, and then it was around K Day at the same time. So yeah, yeah. I was messing around with K Day, the record radio station, the first rap radio station with Greg Knight. And so we were all trying to get to that level. And this is before Easy and them got to that level where they could get oh. on the radio. But yeah, it was a whole uh it was a whole scene, you know, it was a whole it was different scenes and stuff and yeah. somehow they crossed over if you knew them through the skating, I got to know some other people who were DJing and stuff. 
And then, so you, you got you were signed with the yeah I got with signed the group, with, right? with the, the yeah Island and Fourth and Broadway and Island Records. So we got signed, and we first Taters put out a record on Russet Records. His own he wrote for Thrasher magazine, the skateboard magazine ah. at the time. And so he was a skateboard like aficionado. Everybody skater knew Taters because he ride his longboards like forty four inch longboards and stuff. So through that he started collecting records, and so you started to see everything was kind of gelling together. Lowriders records, music. But uh, let's see. And I seen you skateboarding in the music video too. Huh? What was the? Yeah, that was. So we were in the desert at, at that uh, where they film all those commercials. It's it's in Riverside. It's like the uh -huh. it's like a dry lake bed. Well, what's the name of the the video? The song? Uh, it's called uh, Skate Master Tate and the Concrete Crew. Justice to the base. Justice to the base. Yeah, and man. it was like if De La Soul did reggae, it would sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's gone. You're rapping in the whole song, so it's yeah. It's pretty much just you. Yeah, I, mean, I do. I bust the poetry. I, I went. Control of the mind is what we seek to find, a freedom to move to boom with the bass on a groove. I can't hold it back, it's like a forward attack to open eyes and ears to knock so loud people here. From the bass coming down from above, it's like the knowledge, the wisdom, peace, and most of all, love less. Life can be tough when you're ruthless and rough on regular party people who are trying to stay up. Now the ruthless and rough, I was talking about Easy E. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. It was kind of at the time. I was kind of poking fun because they was, you know, the time they came out, they was coming with the gangster shit. I was like, yeah, yeah you can do that, but like you got to kind of be above that shit, oh. you know, because that's not the, that's not gonna get you all over. It did get them over, yeah, but yeah, yeah, at the sure. time, what I was doing, I had to kind of do it a little different. So I had to kind of, so that's what I was, I was like jabbing Easy in because I knew him and shit. So I was, <laughs> life can be tough when you're ruthless and rough oh. on a regular party people who were trying to stay up. So so you can't gangster everybody. You know, because you don't know who else is a gangster and you don't know where they're from and what they got to offer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, unless you walk in their shoes, you know. Yeah. That's <laughs> deep. That's deep. <laughs> yeah, it's it some pretty comical shit, man. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. So that was around the same time then? So you got signed when? Right, right, right before Cypress Hill. They got signed uh -huh. right after that. And then Joe the Butcher was Tater's friend and that he signed him to that, uh, whatever that label he had. Yeah, because he, he was, and, and Tate was really known in the skateboarding world. Yeah, right? he was, yeah. but then he was a record collector too, so people knew records and about music knew Taters. So he was all, all, all of that. He was a skateboarder dude, and he got on a show called Nickelodeon TV, Skateboard TV. Wow. So eventually he had a show on Nickelodeon before it became a cartoon network. Ah. It was yeah, Skateboard TV. And so yeah. he hosted that, and that kind of led into me getting more into performing, trying to be with him, and, and then him trying to catch up to the rap thing he was trying to be a producer or whatever the hell. yeah 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 and uh, did you stay in contact with him over the years uh skate master tate yeah yeah absolutely i mean i did and we you know and then he um he did his thing and then i remember the second beastie boys album called paul's boutique was basically skate master tate's record collection oh wow because we were up there with the dust brothers and they lived down the street from ice t yeah, yeah. ice t by then had had a movie and bought a house in the hills in hollywood hills on olympia drive or something like that so the Dust Brothers, which producers uh, for Delicious Vinyl Records or whatever, they produced that album and they basically were taking all the records from Taters. Oh. And then they ended up on Paul's Boutique, Beastie Boys' second album, with all these samples and stuff. Wow. And it, was, it was really dope records and stuff, but he was really, Tate was like a beat broker. He would sell them to whoever the highest bidder were. Wow. Bidder was. Wow. <laughs> so it is. Yeah, it was no, pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, no, that's amazing. And I know like he passed away in 2015, right? No, no, no. Uh, oh, 
Yeah, let me see too. Yeah, but something they, like yeah, that. Yeah, 1959, yeah. 2015, yeah. Were you keeping in contact with him up to then? Or yeah, absolutely. Like, oh, he had wow. been doing his thing and we'd do shows every now and then. He would do something and I would still do parties. He would DJ around the city and I would still do stuff with him. Yeah, yeah. And Willie, other guy, Willie's Big Burlesque is Willie. And then Joey Altruda from uh, uh, Tupelo Chain Sex. He got famous and he's a big producer now. And Yeah, so all of the people in that group, I was around all those people and I learned more music more about you know music and how to present it and stuff yeah wow yeah yeah but, no that's all yeah all that stuff matters right like you have to get your performance knowledge from someone the music knowledge for someone like all the thing all the things that make up yeah you know, music in some and right? it was a trip back then because i remember all of the people that ended up being famous you know wc I oh knew, you, yeah you, yeah i knew wc oh, wow. yeah through mad circle or whatever but then yeah. they all knew taters and mugs and all the different people were all trying to do stuff. And so I see I came across a lot of people. Wow. Yeah, seeing them. And then they all ended up being famous and getting record deals and shit. And wow. That's great. So were you around EZ when he passed away? or? Yeah, you know what? It's kind of weird. Two weeks before he passed away, I was in a session. He, he had, I was working with Roger Troutman and Roger and mm. Zap at the time. And so I would always help them fix their equipment. Wow. And I was working at a hologram company at the same time, so I gave them all that hologram stuff to sell on their, their paper, uh, on the on the on the on their keyboards and stuff. And uh, so the last thing I seen Easy was when I was, I picked up Roger from the airport, and wow. Easy it uh, said, "Hey, I'm gonna pay you to get him to the airport, and we're gonna do cut the song to Tony G at the studio." So Tony G, the, the famous DJ from K Day, Mixmasters. Yeah, yeah. He had a session. He was engineering the session with Easy E and Roger. And Roger had never messed with Easy E. He'd already done the Tupac thing before that. He did the Tupac thing before he worked yeah, with Yeah, because wow. the Easy Yeah, and I think about it. Yeah, Easy E was. Yeah, in fact, let me see when. I gotta remember the dates. Maybe I got my <laughs> dates a little backwards and stuff. So, but I remember cutting this track with, uh, with Easy. Because mm -hmm. I, I I was there and he paid me money to pick Roger up from the airport and bring him to this thing. So I had all his gear with me, his keyboards and shit. So we brought it to his talk box and stuff. We brought it to the yeah. studio in Santa Monica. And I remember Easy pulled up in this fresh BMW, oh. a white BMW 850i or whatever. And it was it was a cool time. But then, yeah, some doggy dogs, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully we could still hear him. Should we shut the, the oh, door yeah. open? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we we'll, we'll continue the, the session with uh. You told me we started what I was just finished. Yeah, yeah. With Easy, right? Yeah. So the like the last session was with with Tony G at the studio, and uh, Easy was there. He was gonna uh get Roger to sing over the track. You know, mm. he did it on the last. It was like the last cut. He was gonna finish on that record, Easy E. It was a white record. What I forgot the name of that album. The last album he did. Who Easy? Yeah. Oh, I remember. Uh, it wasn't the. Something about Compton, straight out the street. It could have been that because the last track on it was the song with Roger. With Roger, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember, yeah, yeah. That. You remember that? Wow. Yeah, so that was really odd. So that's the first time they had worked together? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, I and I remember Easy gave me the, and he gave me a check or he gave me some money after that. So I, yeah, he did. Because I, I picked him up from the airport, Roger, and I brought him there, and that was the thing, and I had to get him back too, so yeah. to the airport. So they had to, he had to get back. To, so I think I did that, and then. The, I remember Easy said, send me an invoice. I sent him an invoice and he sent me a check. He got me a check. That's crazy. Yeah. And did and he, he also... Died. He died two weeks after that. Easy? After I, yeah, he did. Wow. So, uh, 
did he already look sick or anything? No, nah, he didn't sleep. He, he he didn't look sick, but I knew one thing about Easy at the time, and I knew him. He never slept, man. Wow. Homeboy was always, and his exact words were, "Man, I don't, I don't want to miss anything." So he seemed like he was up all the time, wow. not to miss anything. So he didn't miss any sessions and stuff. So he seemed like he was he was staying up all the time. Mm. So I, maybe he was just burnt out or whatever. But he did have a lot of different women, you know. I, <laughs> yeah, because even then he was with Tamika. I think he was married to her at the time, but he had a nice looking college girl with her oh, that man. night at the studio. <laughs> And that was the first time I seen him sleep, right? Yeah, yeah. And so we're sitting in the studio, and here Easy's laying on the couch, and this, this nice little college girl's holding him. He's sleeping on her lap, and he's asleep. And I'm like, no way. Oh. <laughs> I, I never seen the dude sleep. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And another thing, I, craziest thing, he had pentagrams on his fucking right here. Oh, wow. I was, yeah, he, he wore <laughs> I gloves. I wasn't going to bring that up, but yeah, I but he, wore, he wore, Yeah, he wore gloves. And yeah. I've never seen, but he had pentagrams attached right here. Wow. Both sides. I Hopefully swear to God. gets mad at, at us say, talking about that or nothing. Yeah, but no, it's crazy. I saw him because he had the gloves off and he had t he had pentagon little tats right here. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, I remember because I had they gone to... They looked like tats. I mean, I don't think they were pencil, but that looked like tats. Those were tats. Yeah, too. yeah. No, because I went to his grave site. I had this other channel on my YouTube and that was like my most viewed video, like over 50,000 something views going to see Easy's grave, you know, and I remember he has the little pentagram skateboard. And you know, I laughed about it. I thought he just did it. I thought he just did it. You know, but well it wasn't even him because someone put that on his headstone, you know? So whoever I guess then now that you say that, so he probably really I yeah, guess was he, about that gloves. He, he wore them gloves all the time. He always had them damn little like, you know, the little net golf gloves or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cut the yeah, yeah, all the time. Damn, well, hopefully. That was the one time I didn't see him with the huge <laughs> sleep and literally he didn't have them on, but I'm looking like, oh fuck, he's got tats right here. Yeah. And it was just mind boggling. I you know, I wasn't nothing I couldn't, you know, I'm like, hey, that's easy, that's his world, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean and did you ever see before he passed, did you see bone thugs around or anything? Or they weren't nah, nah, not really. They were probably like working on whatever yeah, studio because yeah, yeah. I I know they were working out of probably uh, someplace out of Santa Monica. This spot was like a little hidden spot that nobody really knew about. It was, oh. a, it was a 24 track though. Oh, wow. But so he, he probably had them there. It was like probably one of his little secret spots ah. to work on stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, because I brought Roger there and he was excited too because he was in 24 track and he was able to like lay all his tracks down and shit. Oh, back then 24 tracks weren't common? Well, no, it, it was, but it, it was like, it was more 48, you know, the big studio. So yeah. it was a big budget price. So oh. it wasn't like, affordable for me and you like it is now where you can kind of digitally do it but now back then you know sessions were you know you needed a two inch tape and everything and yeah. that kind of thing so it was a little and you spent money it wasn't cheap you know things be 150 an hour and shit like that and yeah. you know he had money so he could go and book it for five or six hours seven hours yeah. at a time but yeah we were there for a good five and a half wow yeah they so you were there during the session when they're recording yeah, everything absolutely wow. that's amazing man that's like uh yeah, you know, that's history, right? History. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And then two weeks later, he dies. I, I was wow. so shocked, man. I was shocked, shocked, shocked. Yeah. But he didn't look sick or nothing. He was just like, you know, just like, like he was kind of burnt out. But, you know, that's what I'm seeing him sleeping. So I was like, wow, maybe he just don't never sleep. So how do you feel about the whole conspiracies about someone injected him with the whole... I mean, because even Kid Frost, did you ever meet Kid Frost? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I knew him through Taters. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, D, uh, DJ Ralph. I knew Kid Frost through DJ. That was his DJ. Yeah, yeah. Ralph Ralph, Ralph Ralph the Mexican. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, what do you call it? Um, but I heard him say that. I, I don't I don't agree with that. I don't think he got injected. But he was, he was a ladies man. He, he had women all over the damn place. Even when he was married, he was still, he had like. I think well, the conspiracy comes because nobody, none of his kids, none of his 
the, his baby mamas, none of them turned out with AIDS, right? So I think that's where the conspiracy. Yeah. But for you, you felt like it could, it was possible. Yeah, it's possible because I mean, he was probably screwing the Hussein. He was using a condom all the time, you know. Yeah. Like he had like women was probably throwing themselves at him, you know. So oh, most you can imagine it, and then the. Not knowing for sure, but the one girl in me, or her was she had like contracted HIV, and I don't know if that was from Easy, but that. The, but is that what you heard? Or you know, that's what I kind of heard. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know. But so we don't want to say because yeah, no, in for case, sure I can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that was the the one girl in allegedly. Because yeah, the that, other that. rumor was Easy was always fifteen, and he wasn't. He was <laughs> older. And people would all he tell people that oh, he's yeah. only fifteen. That's why I said it in a song, right? Yeah. Easy, why are you always lying about your age? Man, boy, you seen all three yourself? I just say that to get my point across. That's, That's funny. funny, though. Yeah, no, yeah. seriously, because he was, that, Easy's old, man. He was like, you know, he was older. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what about, I know, with Tupac, did you take uh, Roger over there, too, when they did the California Love, or? No, I didn't do that, but I, I was at a session when, after that, about the same day or a few days after that, yeah. Roger was playing at the Strand and went down to a beach. Okay. So I remember Roger and Lester. I used to work for Lester a lot, so I do stuff for Lester. So Lester called me out of clear blue. He goes, "Man, I need you to come out here and be out here." I go, "Why?" He goes, "Well, Suge just called me." I said, "Really?" He says, "Yeah, he wants to come to the show tonight." And I'm like, "Really? Suge's gonna come to your show out in the Strand?" He goes, "Yeah." He said he's gonna bring Tupac with him, and I didn't. I was like, "Yeah, yeah, sure." I, he's just probably saying that shit. Yeah. So lo and behold, I go out to the Strand. I'm out there, and we're sitting in the back, and we're waiting. And Lester gets on the phone again to me. He says, "Man, the dude's coming through." Oh wow. So I just want you to be here because you kind of know some of these dudes. And I was like, "Well, I, you know, I want to be, you know." I knew some bloods, you know, yeah. that's, that's what you mean. And, you know, I know bloods, but I don't think he's coming with gang strong. Yeah. If anything, he's coming with Tupac only. So lo and behold, we're in the back of the strand and who rolls up in a Rolls Royce? It's Tupac and Suge. <laughs> <laughs> and Lester must have been freaking out. He goes, oh man, I don't want no problems. And now he's just did a shit a show, I think. So yeah. it was funny. I remember well, my job was to get him in the back without letting anybody see him. Oh. So it was a back little stage door through the back of the strand and we squeezed fucking Suge Knight through this fucking small door to get him in the back and so, so nobody could see him because if yeah. he went outside would have seen Suge they would have known oh, Tupac and Tupac had just got out of jail and they had just filmed that damn video uh, uh, whatever uh, California you know, yeah yeah they had just so they had already done that with yeah. Roger yeah yeah so why were they nervous of them showing no no because that was that was different a oh. little different yeah but some but then Lester is the brother, oh. and he was nervous because he was the businessman, and he was so worried about bad rep, and he thought Suge was going to come with the gang of bloods ah. and stuff, and he was all afraid. You know, Tupac, they were kind of wild. And, oh, man, if you don't know Suge's, he's a dangerous person, you know, and they were afraid of that, so that's why he had me out there because I was like his roadie and stuff, but I knew everybody, and I could say I could make a couple of calls and get some people to, yo, Suge Knight, who? So what? You know, okay. but, I, you know, I was a blood myself, so... Yeah, so <laughs> it was just a crazy story. But yeah, we we sneak him in the back and we get him through this little stage door. Suge gets through here. We, we so he's in the back and Tupac comes in and we're standing there and we're like, oh shit! And then they, Roger and them are playing and playing and stuff. And so they're at the end of the show and they're gonna play the song. They were about to play California. They start to oh. go into it. So here, lo and behold, and I remember I had the mic here. And I turn and I look at Suge and I look at Tupac and he's looking. And the music starts playing and then he just starts lighting up. He's like smiling. He's like, yeah. Tupac? Yeah. And then all of a sudden he jumps out and he comes from out the little the side thing. Yeah. And people are tripping because here's Tupac 
standing there and they're doing California Love. Yeah. So he jumps into it wow. and it was a trip. So I was there to say Tupac did California Love wow. with Roger and, and Zab at the Strand. And then not only them, there was uh, T-Boz was there that night. And, oh, wow. And um, Casey and JoJo. So they ended up all getting on stage and singing. Wow. Casey and JoJo sang over More Balance or something. And then yeah. T-Boz was up there saying something or whatever. But that was a, a night to remember. T-Boz, Tupac, Suge. But it was funny getting Suge through the small little door. <laughs> Why is he Because you're pretty tall. Too, uh, yeah, so. I'm a big dude, but yeah, but this dude, who's, he was who's taller? Like you were. Yeah, he's, no, I'm taller. I'm six four, but he's oh. he's big. He's a stocky dude. But there was oh. a small little stage door. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the funniest shit. We got him through the door to the back, and that was just had to be. And I remember standing there, and he's and I had to put my arms around him because all the people started rushing the stage. All the oh, girls were rushing, and I'm like, wow, this is crazy. So I'm standing there just trying to keep the girls away from Tupac, but he's rapping the song, and everybody's like, this is Tupac. California yeah. love. They were losing their minds, you know. Wow. So yeah, it was one of them. You had to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's man. I wish there was. Is there any footage? That nah, nah, nah. Well, I mean, I, the Strand used to record the stuff, but then they'd sell that to oh. people. So yeah, they make you buy it. Like the producer of the show would have to get the money from. No, he he'd spend money to get the footage from the Strand because they wouldn't let it go out. You know, go out to regular people. Yeah, yeah. So this was what, 96, you want to yeah, say? Yeah, it was 95, 96, something oh, like that, because I remember he, yeah, and then, uh, yeah. Basically. When did Roger pass away? Ooh, 97 or something, and his brother shot him. You not know? that same brother. No, right? no, 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 not Lester. There was the other brother, uh, Larry. Damn. And Larry was, uh, he was like the road manager. He was in the group when they first started, but then Larry became the road manager, and there were some issues. Because I remember a couple of band members telling me from Zap and them, their, their checks were bouncing. I'm like, wow. Oh, what? Yeah. And so we were like surprised. I said, well, all the money's getting sent to Larry, the deposit, and then they pick up the rest of the money at the, the gig. Yeah. So there were some issues with, and then they got nervous and Roger had to talk to his brother, man. He was like, man, we, can't, we have to fire you or something because something's wrong, you know? And so they had some issues. And these are, this is a brother's, you know, they 40, 50 years. So whatever discrepancies they had came to a head. So he ended up, I guess Roger was like, because uh, he lived, Roger lived on the studio. He lived on the second floor of the studio. Wow. And, and he lived there at the studio and everybody wow. else had houses, but Roger was always in the studio making music. Yeah, yeah. So he stayed there. But then I think what happened is that he told Larry he had to, yeah, I'm going to let you go as my manager. And Larry didn't know what to do with it. And this is his brother, you know, yeah. so uh, for 30 years they've been together in the group. So, and then that's whatever happened. He got so angry. And I guess he came back and shot him at the studio. Wow. And then this is what, uh, Zap Trout and the other bass I think he told me this that the Larry was calling around to try to catch them all at the house and he was thinking he was going to try to shoot them all and wow. stuff yeah but they weren't there or something and he, but he knew Roger was in the studio so that's where he went to confront Roger and I think he was going to tell Roger okay we're, we're going to be cool and whatever but he shot him and he drove up the street and shot himself man wow that's yeah, crazy. Yeah. And were you in contact with him up to that? Like you guys had yeah, I mean, I was kind of, yeah, for the most part, I because I, I talked to Larry a few times, you know, because he'd always ask me about Larry. I mean, about Lester and Lester. Would, hey, call Larry and he'll get you, you know, like blah 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 money. And if he's going to get you money, I'll give it to you or whatever. Because Lester would pay me for anything I did for them, like oh. help their equipment and stuff, fix it. And they borrow my equipment every now and then, and I'd get them their shit fixed. Every time they came to LA, they could get their. They know they can count on me to get their keyboards fixed or whatever. Oh. Yeah. Damn, man. But it was just sad, man. His brother, you know, there was some brotherly issues there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it reminds me of the whole Selena incident where she confronted the, what was it like the? She the was family. in charge of the family, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the same thing, right? Like, what yeah. a shame. What a yeah, shame. but his brother. I mean, because his brother was in. It was in the first, you know, the first two albums. That was his brother playing wow. percussions. Wow. Yeah. 
Larry. And I knew his sons, like Cleet and some of the other ones. I knew, being around them, I knew them all. And I kind of knew all the band members and stuff really good. Man, that's... It was a sad... Yeah, it was a crazy, crazy time, man. Yeah, yeah. No, that's horrible. And, um... Yeah, man, you've seen so many, like... People pass pass on, I guess. Just being around music for so long. I mean... How do you feel about that? Like, you feel like... You feel like they, they... came to do what they were meant here to do and then it is what something like that but then a lot of this stuff is preventable like tupac was just like wrong wrong people man yeah. like, like i said in my in my opinion personal opinion the crips killed both him and biggie so because he was around he was around some crips and stuff and the crips were like we don't give a shit you know and we'll, we'll you know we'll we'll catch up with you this is the gangster and then tupac got too close to that shit do so you feel there's no conspiracy? Like, that's pretty much... Nah, I think the Crips kind of did them both in. I mean, literally. I yeah, mean, yeah. the Crips, somebody... You know, whatever that issue with the, at the, the Vibe party was... Uh, uh, whoever they said it did, the dude Muhammad or whatever in the car and stuff. But that dude was like a Crip fan, you know? Oh. And then supposedly Suge had paid him to do something. So, you know, who's the saying that Suge wasn't trying to take him out, uh, take Biggie out, after Tupac got shot? Yeah, yeah. And those are Crips that ran him on Tupac. Because Tupac shouldn't have been fucking around with some Crips, yeah. you know, talking all that shit. And the Crips, you know, they was like, yo, we don't, nah, nah, this is L.A. It was, they was in Vegas, but still, yeah, yeah. you don't do that and shit. Because people were bragging about that shit in Compton the next fucking day. Oh, shit. Yeah. The next fucking day. Yeah. And I think that's where people, you know, they forget that, that, that. You know, any street person doesn't care about your celebrity. Absolutely, brand. dude. They'll run you back in your house. Because even, you. you know, someone told me that when I was growing up, like, they were like, you know, because I, I was around that stuff. And so they were like, oh, like someone that was trying to make me not get involved, but they didn't realize I was already involved, yeah, you know? Yeah, and absolutely. they're like, well, it's because that's all someone from the street yeah. has. And I was yeah. like, exactly. I was like, 100%. If you don't have, you know, you can't brag about, oh, I went to school f- to be a doctor yeah. or, hey, hey, look, I- I'm going to law school. That's all you have. Like, yeah, I could I could beat you up. I could yeah. take your life. I could this and that. So, yeah, because it's leverage. I mean, that's what, like, in the streets with leverage. I mean, yeah, shit, if I mix somebody in the streets, yeah, yeah. they knew who I'm talking about. If I said, oh, yeah, from the jungle, uh, Inglewood family, they knew who the fuck I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, there yeah. was no joke. I mean, I could make some calls and know people that knew somebody else and they, they, a lot of these people were gangbangers and they were family members so yeah, yeah. some people would be transformers over here blood crips over here and then next week they're in Carson with the Samoans you know what I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> yeah but no that's how it is I mean people don't realize and, and like, shout out to the Booyah tribe oh yeah dude I Carson was one of the Booyah tribe was he in that um, Justice to the Base video yeah that was Don, uh, that was a Godfather oh okay. and the other dude you see on the acting shows is Donnell yeah 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 you see him he was on a lot of shows so yeah. he was doing I, background stuff and I ran into teaching. one of them in uh, Last Ship I think yeah yeah, yeah that was I was on that too oh you were there that yeah, day yeah, that's funny see yeah 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 I don't we know we had met yet yeah yeah yeah, yeah. for sure I was on that Last Ship and there was Donnell I got a chance to talk I hadn't seen him in a while because like anybody, it was funny, the Booyah, about a Booyah tribe, I would go anywhere with them, man. Everywhere they went, people got scared, dude. You saw all these Samoans with yeah. long hair and braids and tats, and yo, they scared everybody. Yeah. Dude. I really mean that. I mean, I, I remember we was going to tour, and they was going to send us on the tour, and the Booyah was on Island Records too, so we didn't get to go because uh, the war broke out, 1991, Gulf oh. War. Yeah, so they kind of brought us back and said, oh yeah, you guys can't. I said, man, I'll go anywhere with the Booyah, because if we go with them, Everybody's gonna be afraid of these people, you know. 
crazy. But yeah, shout out to shout out to the whole family. They were yeah. trying to do their best, man. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. A band, a whole bunch of brothers, and there was a band, you know. And yeah, and I ran into them before at this. Um, I forgot what it was a. I don't know, it was a record label, but it was, you know, like a studio, right? Yeah. But they had a, a little movie theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah in absolutely. There. I think they bought a spot. And they, I, 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 last time I remember them, they were doing security for Jasmine Guy, and they lived next door to her oh, wow. in Hollywood Hills or something. They bought a house or whatever, some of the money they had got into the spot because they were operating out of Hollywood, you know? Yeah, yeah, they were yeah. still doing security and other stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. No, it makes sense. I didn't know they were doing security, but that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You get. Two, three of them, no problems. <laughs> yeah. No, and um, since we jumped into like Booyah Tribe and all that world, um, how was your time around? Like, did you ever do anything? Like, we mentioned Ralph Fam, like, you know him really good. So, did you ever work around them, like Muggs and, and Ralph and Cypress? Yeah, Young? I used to hang out with them, with them when they all, and when DJ P used to live with DJ Paul Stewart. If you know him, who he's that was Coolio's manager. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. So he he used to live with with Taters. They had a room. They they had a house together. So that's when all the people I started meeting people, I had mugs and and um, a lot of other people uh, that were around there. All the people were, that ended up being in Cypress Hill's little you know, house of pain. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That kind of uh, Everlast. I knew him through some other people. Ah. And yeah. So but, he was uh, around at that time too. Everlast. Yeah, he was Everlast. He was uh yeah he was called Everlast then. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he had. No, a, well, I still after right. One, when yeah, he but he was. Yeah, he had a record, and then my friend Bilal Bashur was doing a beat for him, and that's how I met him. I knew him through some other people, and they somehow and then Tate somehow ended up knowing him because of the record situation. They were like, "Yo, that dude with the records. What's his name? Tate. Let's get the records." And so that's how I ended up mirroring uh, Everlast. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and they all ended up being on Cypress Hill after Mugs and stuff, and then they once Mugs record blew up, then next thing was. House of Pain, and then they did Funk Dubious. So it was wow. all of them were all around there, and yeah, that's awesome. why Ralph M. I knew him through. I think I re- met Ralph M. While I was doing stuff for Belle Dib DeVoe. Oh, like, really? Yeah, yeah. For uh, the dancer Brooke Payne was uh, the choreographer, so I kind of knew that we were doing songs for their dancers. So we we were gonna do a rap song for Belle Dib DeVoe's dancers. Wow. They were called Straight Ahead. Wow. So that's how I met Ralph because he we they needed a DJ and Ralph came with this other guy Kyle. And they were, I was going to be the other little group or something. And somehow Ralph pops up the compartment. And I'm like, this is Ralph M. And I said, oh, yeah, wow. K- oh, so you already knew who he was? Yeah, I did because of K-Day. Oh, okay. Yeah, but that's when I officially met him. But I knew him because of Frost, too. That's when I, when I met Frost. Yeah, yeah. Taters knew Frost, you know. And Muggs knew Frost. They knew Frost because he was the other Latin rapper. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. Tony G did that damn song. Mentorosa? No, no, Mentorosa, I'm sorry. Oh, Mentorosa. Yeah, yeah, Mentorosa was a, a Mellow Man Ace. My bad. Oh, okay. That's Sin Dog's brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sin Dog's brother is Mellow Mayonnaise of Cypress Hill. Oh, the brothers? Yeah, that's his brother. Oh, wow. And if you didn't know, the sister is the one, the sis, their sister is the one that's on the record with Mentorosa, the female voice. That's their sister. Oh, the one talking? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so that's Mellow Mayonnaise's sister and Sin's sister. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they're brothers. Wow. And they're from Cypress know. Park or whatever. That's where they, yeah. Oh, that's where they got the name Cypress Hill? Yeah. So they, I just remember Cypress Park or whatever they call it, you know, yeah, Cypress yeah, yeah. Hill. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah did you yeah. ever tour with them or anything? Or? I did a couple of shows. I did shows, I think, let's see, what did I do? I did something for them. Um, wow, it's probably some little small thing. It might have been the Palladium or something. I forgot what it was, but yeah. I did something with them. And I, I did stuff with Ralph M. And when he did the Funk Dubious, I was on the Golden B-Boys album. Oh. So I was there like their, their behind-the-scenes musician or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So they did another record called, yeah, Golden B-Boys and stuff. So 
at the time they were kind of doing their thing and Cypress was still touring and stuff and everybody was kind of going their own way Everlasting they've been blown up with House of Pain and all that shit that album wow. blew up yeah, yeah. so they were touring to the point where they could tour by themselves and then they did one tour where they got back together all three groups wow which was like Lollapalooza kind of stuff wow yeah man that's amazing dude you got so much <laughs> yeah I'm just the stuff with Perry Farrell that, that alone Lollapalooza that how that set came about he was doing the concerts and Tate, Tate was his DJ so he literally the first two he DJed those two Lollapalooza so I was yeah. at the first two and between all the acts Taters was spinning records yeah yeah so uh, we didn't talk too much about like, so you met Tupac just briefly or you, you had a chance to be around him a few times? Just, just that time and then another time, I, I, he was somewhere and I didn't really bother him too much, you know, it was somewhere, it was a studio or something, I don't, I don't know where it was, it might have been in the valley or something, but he was at a studio and I wanted to say it was American, which was Ray Parker Jr.'s studio mm. in North Hollywood. Wow. And I, just, I remember Nate Dogg telling me that's where he was going to record at. Also, you knew Nate Dog too? I knew Nate through, yeah, something like that. I knew him through my cousin, and I knew him through uh, just being around. You know, I'd see him around. Oh, that's right. Your, what did your cousin do exactly? She worked at Warner Electra Asylum Records. And oh. She uh, she kind of put on T.I.'s first record, and uh, Green Day, American Idiot. That was her record. She had the thing, and D'Angelo. Yeah. And then the, the, the other record she had was uh, Aaliyah and DMX. Wow. The... Whatever that from that movie, uh, yeah, um, yeah, with the is Kung it Romeo Must Die? That's it. Yeah. yeah, that was her project. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, so she had to. I remember getting all the vinyls. So I was like, Raina, make sure you get the vinyls. She'd be getting all the vinyls from that record that she couldn't get. Yeah. You know that nobody else could get. So I got the little twelve inches and stuff from her. Yeah, and if you don't mind, maybe I could show some of the yeah, blacks too. Absolutely. Like, after, yeah. Yeah, picture her and Nate Dogg and some other. Yeah, she was yeah. cool. I miss her, man. She was a, she was quite a quite a character, my cousin. Wow. Yeah. Did she pass recently or? No, that was in 2009, 2008. Oh, wow, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, her and my sister, my sister is in the same business too. They were both in the record. My sister used to work for Queen Latifah. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then Boys to Men, she was uh, on Motown. She worked in Motown for a long time. And oh, wow. Boys to Men was her project. <laughs> so she probably <laughs> then, had some stories too. Yeah, huh? Shade, <laughs> that, uh, yeah. Hey, DJ, keep playing that song. That was. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was one of her projects she had to work. Wow. Yeah, so both yeah. my, yeah. So your whole family was like up in the. Yeah, something like that. Just entertainment, you know, being lost, born and raised in Los Angeles and just being around the entertainment. But yeah, somehow we all ended up being, my brother too's, he works at Deluxe called Encore slash 3D, which is a post place that you see on the bottom of the films when you see a movie. Oh. It'll say Deluxe. You know, they've been around since the 50s, 40s. Wow. So he works for a company like that. And he just he takes tapes around post production and you know, moves tapes around. So he wow. does, that's his job. He's been doing that for like 20, almost 20 years. Wow, that's amazing. No, and um, so are you still working on music? I mean, I know you are, but. Yeah, um, I do. I, I've been trying to get stuff done. I really, I just been really dealing with my mom. My mom got sick and passed away, but uh, yeah, sorry, that, sorry. that took a long, like that was a whole process. And then my father passed away a little bit before her. So yeah, it was just a whole, the last four years have been kind of tough, you know, for our family. We've been kind of just, dealing with my father passing away and then my mom getting sick and then she passed away and so but she left us in a good spot so I'm in a good spot now I'm, I'm actually back to do, doing stuff and doing music wow. and getting uh, you know I've been acting obviously I've been doing shows and TV shows and all that and so I have commercials and yeah, yeah I just in fact I just got a check from Google a Google commercial like, <laughs> just today I got a check I was looking out for it like where's that Google check <laughs> 
Yeah, no, and even the the Cloud Nine. Uh, yeah, yeah, you, I was, were, you yeah, were working on that for yeah, yeah, for five seasons. On and off, I was on a Superstore, and it's the best show I ever worked on. And wow, I got to be an employee, and then they gave they gave me five vouchers, you know, union vouchers. So oh, they, okay. They wanted to make me union on there, yeah. but they still let me come back, and I got two Super Bowl commercials out of them, and, and like I five seasons. Yeah. yeah, so I was in the Pizza Hut whatever commercial. And, it was cool. That was the best show I ever worked on. The best food, the best, the coolest people. Yeah. A whole bunch of comedians. It was just, I just laughed all day, man. Was it still because I worked on it a couple of times? Was it still out of Universal Studios? Yeah, they were working on Universal. And they, yeah, they had the little store in the front and the back side. They had the other front of the store and stuff. And, but there was a real store at Universal. Yeah, they had it. That yeah, was, it was like, like a whole yeah, big they, store. They had the worst because they had cameras in there. We had to put shit back. So every time we took something off the thing, the PA would like make sure you put it back exactly where you put it. Yeah. Because it would be crazy to lose some shit and it's not in the same spot with the same camera shot. So they were really really sticking they would send you back to holding if you didn't follow that rule so yeah. when we picked up shit we definitely put it back <laughs> exactly where it was supposed to be yeah. that was a cool trip yeah, yeah. that's crazy yeah so i mean so right now you're still working on music you're still doing the acting you got any uh, projects coming up that yeah i'm gonna work with you we're gonna get yeah. some, fat, some fat tracks out Omar. You yeah i mean i got some funk stuff and I, yeah. we gotta we gotta get that vibe back you oh, know because sure, we la's forgot how we used to get down and you see how it is now yeah. you know yeah right when i walked in man that track you were playing i was like i don't even want to say too much about it because you know obviously when it comes out people can hear it but yeah. yeah i was blown away right away so i was like oh man yeah, yeah, we want some next. We gonna make that next level again. We yeah. just try it all again, you know. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, I got more experience now, and I got a little more like, skills. Yeah. And you got skills too, so I like let's blend them skills again, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely. No, I mean, is there any like? Cause I know I can keep asking you stories about so many people, but um, yeah, is there anything else you want to talk about or? You know, yeah, yeah. Let's get back into the the stuff that's going on right now. Like speaking about back on the, I ended up selling three songs to Rodney King of all people. Oh man, how could I? Oh yeah, my god, how yeah, could I forget yeah. it? Yeah, because we we were talking about that because unfortunately, you know, you were letting me know about the the young man that just got yeah Tyree or he was killed, right? Yeah, he yeah, was he actually got killed. beat down by the co five black cops in, wow. in Memphis. And it's it's Rodney King kind of worse, but I mean, watching that tape. They, so you already saw? Yeah, it was on. They they, they released it yesterday. They wow. released the tape. See, I haven't. Wow. They, they've been doing it real slowly because they want to warn people. They try to warn people. Is they that keep bad? From, huh? Yeah, it is that bad. Man, I don't even. It's worse than Rodney King. This dude died after yeah, this, yeah, so it's yeah. no different than the cops or whatever sheriffs or CHP whoever doing whatever they did before. It's not changed, and we're talking twenty years later. Yeah. It's the same stuff, you know. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, but so it's a, uh, yeah, but that's, I ended up selling three songs to Rodney King. Yeah. And uh, that, because I met him through, I think I introduced him to Roger Troutman. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and so he, I let, Roger let me use a sample of him playing the guitar, and I gave it to, to Rodney King. We put it on the record. Oh, wow. So he was rapping or? Yeah, no, Rodney King, he rapped a little at the top, but he had, he had this guy's name on Buzz and Pap, Papoose, wow. and they were a group called Stranded. And so I, I, Papoose was going to be signed to Death Row, but... He he went another route. Oh. Yeah, but I did I did three songs with him with with him Buzz and Pap, yeah. and that was the cool thing. Was Rodney King? We we charged him like five hundred bucks a piece. Oh wow! We gave him three songs. The fresh freshest songs are the three songs. Yeah. One's called Stranded, nineteen ninety eight. Other one's called Stay True, and the other one's called California Grinding. Wow. Which is like an underground little thing. 
And it's kind of hard to find, right? Because it took me a while. Yeah, it's uh, Stranded was the name of the group, and the group was called the album was called Stranded. It was on Straight Altapaz Records, okay. which was Roddy King and Antrice, his cousin. Wow. They did some of the money he got. He did a record label because ah. he was on uh, community service. Yeah, Rodney was a drinker. Oh, wow. so yeah, he got arrested for drink driving or some drunk driving, and yeah. he got put on this community service. You know, you you go and pick up trash. So he met the two rappers, Buzz oh, and Pat, wow. of community service. He goes, "Oh yeah, I'm, I'm gonna do a rap label and blah blah blah. I need some rappers." And and so somehow somebody contacted me through them because I, I was this guy named Chris I knew, but he introduced me to Rodney King, and he goes, "Oh yeah, this, these dudes got really fresh beats." And my friend Zachary, my other writing partner. Zachary Terrell. So we, we wrote some stuff on they liked it. They're like, wow, oh, this is fresh. And so we were able to get three songs on that album. Wow. Did it do okay or Yeah, they did all right. It, it was after the fact. It, it kind of grew as after the fact. People didn't jump on it right because it was some gangster shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was West Covina. Oh, well, that's right. It was from West Covina. Yeah, 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 West Covina. And he was from Pasadena, Altadena. So it was yeah, a West yeah. Covina repping West Covina and Altadena. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, and I heard, I heard, um, I know one of the tracks I couldn't find, but one of them that I did hear, or two of them, I know they were good. I really liked them. But. Yeah, the other one is California Grind. I'm gonna have to like, make sure I play that for you because that yeah. was that's dope. I think that's that was the one, the one that's, that's the hook, yeah. and everybody was like, "Oh, this is some gangster shit." Ah. Yeah, it was. It was like some Oakland gangster shit. Oh, know, okay. the track that we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, real minimal, but sounded like some Oakland. It definitely some Oakland kind of. Yeah, man. And so, and even Ronnie King, like he already passed away too. Huh? Yeah, he did, man. He he was a. Yeah, I think he drowned or something in his pool. Yeah, he, swim, he had a swimming pool. He had bought a house in Riverside or where we, uh, I forgot where he lived. He bought a house way out. Him and his cousin, they were living there and he had a pool. And, yeah, but he was a drinker, man. And he Is that what? Yeah, I, I'm not sure how he ended up in that pool, drying his pool or whatever. Wow. But yeah, he was a drinker and he might have been taking pills or something, but I don't know, you know? Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. But he was a cool dude. I mean, he was cool at the time when I met him. And we we used to cut the tracks at Tony G's studio. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I know I recorded there for a friend on on his project at Tony G's. Yeah, yeah, off the 605, way in that little corner. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I knew all the history of all the stuff. Like, once I was there at the studio, you see everything all around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I had heard the name Tony G. I just didn't know. Yeah, because he was like a K-Day mix master, him and, and Julio G. Yeah. Every, everybody thought Julio G and Tony G were brothers, but they're not. Oh, okay. Yeah, everybody's like, oh, that's your brother. And he's, oh, yeah, it's because of the brother or something. Ah, so, yeah, but Tony name? G, he cut all the tracks. He cut that Mentorosa track. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was just dope. Yeah, yeah. And he did something for Kid Frost, too. Oh. It wasn't La Raza or? No, I mean, you know what? Tony G might have did La Raza. Let me think about that. I mean, you know, it's sad I, because I, I, Kid I Frost. I want to say it did. He, because Kid Frost has so many songs, and it, that's yeah. pretty much what they remember him for. Yeah, and he was signed a Ruthless. Yeah, I know. Yeah, later yeah. on. Yeah. Because yeah. his son was just rhyming, too. Kid Frost's oh. son is like, I, I, that's the last time I've seen him. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I know Mellow Man Ace's son was doing the same thing. So Kid Frost's son was doing some rhyming. Wow. And so was Mellow Man Ace's kid. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, it's a small world, man, especially in Los Angeles, you know, in the, in the music biz, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that even, even that story alone that I'm sure, like, a lot of people don't know that Ronnie King had a record label and all that. Yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> it's sad that we, right now, we brought him up because of what, unfortunately, Yeah, I know, happened. it's back to that situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, um. That's crazy that he had a record label. I mean, at least he did something productive with the money. Right? Yeah, he did. Just... He did. That's what I'm saying. It was a good project, and I'm glad we did. The... I'm glad we did it because yeah, yeah. we brought a couple of people in. And my friend Diane got to sing the hook, 
And it was really just fresh hooks. And I'm like, yo, this is really nice. So we, I think to me, we had the best songs on there. The other songs were, it's a good album. I think people slept on it, but it was really like different gangster-like vibes coming from you know, different areas and they put it on his record and at the top, Rodney's just talking stuff at the top. He don't really rhyme, but he's just saying, you know, Rodney King, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, no, that's crazy. Yeah, but you can find it on discos.com. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's called Stranded. Yeah, most definitely. And um, yeah, do you want people to be able to get a hold of you too, or I'll put I'll put a link to whatever you know they yeah, want. Yeah, I mean, I got stuff on. You know, I only thing I put on YouTube is all the stuff I do from a uh, from a TV shows and stuff. I do oh. that so I get my agent. You know, get another gig. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, if you want, I'll link that or whatever IG you have or, or anything. So yeah, I'm not really on IG. Itself. I wrote a song called Instagram Hoes. Ah, because <laughs> I was I was so against the Instagram Hoes. You know, she's on the 37th pose. I say no, 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 like Matumbo. <laughs> Girl, I'm gonna have to go solo. I say something like that. I go Domino, hey. que Soul, Silencio. Ah. <laughs> Or something like that. I was. It was some kooky thing that I wrote. No, no, but it's all good. But yeah, Instagram hoes, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was dissing them in a, in a fun way. You released that song, or? Nah, I was gonna put it out. I was oh, gonna find. Okay. Yeah, my other friend was gonna rhyme it too. Oh, so he didn't want to do it. He goes, "Oh man, I don't want to. I'm on Instagram so much. I don't want to." Ah. <laughs> so I said, "It's all good." Dude. Yeah, that's funny. That's <laughs> but yeah, I'm not. You know, Instagram to me is still Facebook. It's all it better. It's all the same person. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it is. You yeah, it's you all, all WhatsApp now. Everything. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you don't know what what is real anymore. You know, because Instagram, I saw a lot of people are hitting me up for scam, trying to get beats oh, and stuff yeah. for nothing and. They wanted to like scam and there was a lot of scams jumping off on Instagram. Yeah. So that's why I kind of like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, well, no, man, thank you so much. I mean, man, it's been an honor, I'm sure. It's been an honor for me. Oh, no, no, you're no. the man, man. No, I'm the man, man next to the man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, thank you so much for your time and, and the, you know, the stories, right? Because, yeah. I mean, damn, how many people don't want to or wish they were a fly on the wall or something like that and you weren't just a fly you were yeah. a participant you know what yeah, I mean so, I, yeah some crazy crazy yeah, stuff yeah. man yeah so no I'm sure you know we could do it again you know maybe bring up some other stories that we didn't get to discuss this time you know what I mean absolutely once we once uh, you know either you know when the project comes out or stuff like yeah, that I'm excited too, man because that, that's the beat dude. you gotta you're gonna murder that beat yeah dude. yeah no thank you man thank you I'm honored to, to jump on it so yeah, on that note, well, thank you everybody for watching. Again, I'll link, uh, oh, and I'll put the link to your, so people can see you have the skills, you know, like yeah. uh, I'll put a, a link to the Justice to the Bass track too. Yeah. So people can check it out and all that, the video. Oh, yeah, the other record was called Joe's Jam. That's the acid jazz stuff. Was, oh, okay. Yeah, it was like if James Brown was hanging out at Venice Beach, it would sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's called Joe's Jam, Skate yeah, Master yeah. Tate and the Concrete Crew. Oh, hi. No, I'll link it. I'll put the link. Yeah, they did a video. Somebody, they, they took the footage from the old video oh. and did another video. But okay. it's it's dope. It's really, and I play the keyboards on that. I play oh, a little nice. keyboard part and a little piano part. It was live. We did like the second take. We, it was live. Wow. No, that's amazing. Yeah, okay. So on that note, we'll end it. I'll put the links and thank you once again. <laughs> All right. Peace. Forever. Yeah.